0: our scripture reading this morning comes from the New Testament Ephesians and it comes from chapter 4 verses 1 through 6 and 11 through 16 as a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received be completely humble and gentle be patient bearing with one another in love some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men, in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, I'm
1: so excited uh, about what is about to happen, I just can't, I can hardly hold this in, because you're in for a treat today, you didn't know it, um, but you are playing a role in the sermon today, um, and so for this, for this day to go well, and this could be an absolute disaster, uh, you're going to have to participate. Um, And and so for me, this is also a kind of test to see, like, where your heart belongs. This is a deep level, like, heart matter. So um, for this little experiment, um, I'm going to put Kathy on the spot, and I think she'll forgive me later. Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) uh, I haven't given her this piece of paper yet, um, but she's going to sight read a little bit for us, and um, she's going to help. All of us out and what we're about to do. So you might call this a little bit of a stump the, the, the pianist, but um, not really, not really. It's, it'll be, it's easy music, I promise. Um, so I'm sure she's not gonna have any problem with it, um, but I'm gonna give her just a second to look at this and then just know you guys are up next. And again, so this is just for you. This is a test. I want to know just a little bit about where your hearts are at this morning. Five bucks. That's fair. So take 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 just a minute. Take just a minute. Look at that. Uh, I'll get let her kind of think about it for a second. I'll hope this goes well. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, yeah, the test is for you guys to jump in when it's time. You're gonna jump in when it's time. Okay. So. Um, Kathy, whenever you're ready, you just take it away and, and here the test begins now. I got one! I got one! Okay, 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 stop, 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 stop. Thank you. Okay, so just hang on to that for a second. I got I got one and a half, kind of. I think I think I saw my wife. She knows what I'm up to, not really. Um, she's, she's playing along. So, okay, that didn't go super, super well. Um, so I'm gonna give you a, just a little bit of instruction for this morning. So, so Kathy, just stay put and, and I, you're gonna watch this video just real quick. It's just a little instructional thing and then we'll go from here. So let's, let's see if we can get this video going.
0: grandma. Hello, Dottie. It's me, Pee-wee. Well, where are you calling from? Texas. Where? Honest. Listen, I'll prove it. The stars at night are big and bright. Texas. <laughs> Wait.
1: Okay, so now, now you've seen how this goes, we're going to just, just maybe try this one more time. But by the way, if you've seen this movie, I think you had a pretty cool growing up, maybe childhood, I don't know. It's a weird movie, but it's hilarious. So, uh, does anybody know who that was? Okay, you do know. Gotcha. All right. So, can we try this one more time? And you guys, let's do a better job, now that you know what we're doing. You ready? The stars at night are big and bright, (laughs) deep in the heart of Texas. Okay, Much, much better. That was much, much better. Thank you. Okay, you guys give Kathy a hand. Thank you for for humoring me. I figured she could handle it. I figured she'd be okay with that. So, all right. Uh, We'll keep practicing Texas music because there's lots and lots of Texas songs. You didn't know that, but... um, So this is not like the official anthem of Texas. There are other ones that vie for that title. This might be the most beloved uh, because it's probably the simplest. Um, I, I found out this song is actually written by a guy from Iowa, <laughs> which I find pretty hilarious, and he actually said, kind of towards the end of his life, it was his biggest regret of writing that dumb song. So um, it was written for a movie, as you, as you might know, and it was just kind of a, a little show tune he put together. But Texans, like, we love this thing, and Um, you you saw the movie clip. It's not too far off. There's probably not quite so many boots and hats uh, on any given day, but if you were to, and I've seen this happen, like somebody stuck in traffic just honk their horn to that tune, people will clap. It will happen. I don't know that I've ever been to a sporting event, football game, baseball game, hockey game in Texas where they didn't do that. It's sort of like, was it, is it Boston where they do Sweet Caroline, like without fail? You know, other other stadiums do that too. You're going to get, the stars at night are big and bright if you go to a a sporting event in Texas. It's just going to happen. So, okay, one last useless bit of information about this song, just in case you wanted to know, because I'm full of these kinds of things. This song was actually banned in England. Do you know why? It was in 1942. They were playing it in these factories as they were building bombs and tanks and planes, and people would stop work to put their tools down so that they could clap. And the British said, wait, you're wasting time. We've got a war to fight. Would you guys please stop clapping? So they requested the BBC not play the Stars at Night. Uh, any any longer. So there you go. There's your little piece of trivia. Okay, so I know what you're thinking. Is he ever going to stop talking about Texas stuff? I, I just don't know how to help it. And so, um, but the other thing you might be thinking is, how do I clap to a song like I wasn't born in Texas. I'm not from Texas. That's, I, why 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 would we do this? I'm not, I don't really care. Well, I hope you care just because one, it's a fun song, but two, because Texas is great. And um, so, you know, I, I, I want you to, to love Texas, and we'll even let you be, like, a part of Texas if you want to be. You're, that's allowed there. You can kind of be a Texan at heart. So, so this is kind of my effort towards, towards that. So um, there's a famous uh, bumper sticker in Texas, and it says this. I don't know if you can see it see it says i wasn't born in texas but i got here as fast as i could um this is you know this is sort of like um i've converted right please please consider me one of the group now that's that's what and you see these bumper stickers like everywhere all over the state okay but it's not as good as the next one native texan right so so there are two groups of people in texas there are I wasn't born here, but I got here as fast as I could, people. And then there are native Texans. And as you can imagine, in the hierarchy of Texas, native Texans, uh, you know, they're just kind of uh, above. Being, in Texas, being born in Texas is a really big deal. Uh, I, I've even heard stories of people who lived in, like, Oklahoma and, and nearby places who were from Texas who would, like, drive to Texas for their wife to have their, their baby so that they can say, like No, they were born in Texas. They were born to Texas parents and, in fact, in the state. And so I'm proud to say that me and my wife, our two kids, are all native Texans. So we are in the upper echelon in terms of the, the, the Texas thing. So it's, you know, it's a big deal. Right. So, but, so for me, like, I, I take even maybe a further step of pride in it and, and talk a little bit about kind of my Texas heritage. It goes way back. I didn't have, you know, family members on the Mayflower, but I did have uh, descendants of my family who fought uh, at the Battle of San Jacinto, which, as you know, is where uh, the Texans defeated the Mexican Army and won its independence in 1836. So, so my family history goes all the way back to, you know, fighting for Texas. Um, In Texas, there is a place called Garner State Park which you may know who, does anybody know who that's named after? Yeah. Who? No. <laughs> More political. Vice President, John Nance Garner, who I'm related to somehow, but nobody can tell me exactly how. But, so there is a Garner State Park uh, there in Texas. It's not too far from San Antonio. Um, you know, he was, so yeah, he was the, the vice president uh, under FDR, and he has a really funny saying about that I can't say uh, about how worthwhile it is being a vice president. You can look it up if you want to. So, um, so I would say, even past being, saying I'm a native Texan, I'm really more like this next bumper sticker. Which is, American by birth, Texan by the grace of God. Okay, okay, so I'm done. I've... I'm, I'm done for today, at least, with, with, with Texas stuff. I just want to let you know, I have actually worked out sort of like a rough draft of a sermon series based on uh, more Texas bumper stickers, but we'll see, we'll see if that pans out. I may get some hate letters, and so maybe we won't, but I was thinking about it. Um, so there's got to be a point to this. You're probably hoping I'm getting to a point at all this, at all this right? But just, other than just learning some fascinating stories— the question is, right, can you be a Texan at heart? Can you be a Texan at heart? Or would you want to, right? Are you a native? Is there a difference? Right, and it's just kind of like, I've, I've, as I've lived here, found out, it's like being from Stillman Valley or not or wherever else or not, right? Me and several others of us that live here, you know, we may have lived here for a long time, but guess what? We're not natives, right? We weren't born here. We're Aliens, technically, uh, that's, a, that's the actual term. We will always be from somewhere else, right? I've even heard some of you joke that you've lived here for like 30 years and people still consider you, oh, you're like one of those newcomers, right? Because you weren't born here. Um, so what is, what is the identity, identity of a person, right? Are they a newcomer? Are they an outsider that you tolerate? What does that, what does that look like? And so for this morning, what we're going to see is that God's house doesn't work like this. There's not a native Texan, non-native hierarchy uh, in any of this. Um, our, our identity can truly be made new, and it is not second rate. It's no longer native versus non-native. God is doing something absolutely different. And so let's, let's pray together as we, as we look uh, at how the, the resurrection uh, changes our everyday identity in Christ. So let's pray together. Father, would you use this time to show us who we are, not because of ourselves, not because of anything we've done, or because of our parents, but because of Jesus. God, help us to see your word in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we are in, Fe- in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read verses 19 uh, 19 through 22 this morning. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Okay, so this morning we start a series, um, or sorry, we finish a series that we started uh, just right after Easter. So it's, this is uh, we, uh, the fifth week, um, and, and the question we've, we've been dealing with is this. What difference does the resurrection make in our everyday lives, right? We, we can celebrate at Easter and get eggs and dress up and take pictures and, and all that stuff. But, but then after that, does it mean anything? Does, does Easter, does the resurrection mean anything? Right, we, we've got the eterni- you know, eternity part, our heaven and hell thing. But, but what about today? What about helping me with my kids? What about helping me in my job? What about helping me in my relationships everywhere? trying to live day to day, does the resurrection say anything about that? And we've answered the question, yes, it does. We've seen that the resurrection means that we've already been raised with Christ, right? We already are living eternal life. We we have the ability as a result uh, to have change and to have hope as we've seen and and, and to have everyday purpose, and we we saw that as well. Everyday matters because God has prepared us because of the resurrection uh, for good works. And Jordan taught us last week that that we get a new identity. And and, and because of that, we can have ultimate peace. Not just like temporary little peace, but like ultimate peace. Peace with God, peace in our lives, peace with others. And so so our our passage this morning is kind of building off of of, of our idea last week where we saw that we have peace because of our new identity. Um, and, And so... Paul has just been building. So verse 1 to, to what we do today is kind of one big, one big thought about why the resurrection matters. And so he's going to kind of finish that in, in our three verses, or four verses for this morning. And, and so Paul has gone a long way. He, he's gone from talking about us as this like walking dead who are, uh, you know, without hope and slaves to sin and slaves to the world. And, and, now, and then we can be changed and then raised with Christ. And, and then he says that we are prepared and set apart for, the, for good works, for the glory of God. And then last week we saw there was, there was this kind of Jew-Gentile division um, that the resurrection breaks down. And so we do get this, this peace with God. And, and so now Paul's going to take that and go one step further. And so Paul gives us this morning a little bit of a glimpse into the future. Um, maybe if you want to say it as, God's real plan. Like, what was the plan all along? We're going to see it this morning in 19 through 22. What has the resurrection been preparing? Big picture. Okay, so if you remember, I've told you that that Paul made up three uh, three verbs already in this this chapter. We've seen them and and, and what they mean, that they've all been with Christ, that we've been raised up with Christ, we've been resurrected, we've been seated with him. we've, We've seen those. And And he's going to make up two more for this morning. And so I just kind of want to look at the theological point he makes by making up these two verbs. Um, And then we'll we'll really just get down to practically, what does this mean for us? What what does this mean? And and so verse 19 starts with a, a, a so, so then, and then goes to a but now. And we've kind of seen this pattern uh, earlier in the chapter. So then you were, you know, dead, but God, right? But now you're not anymore because you've been raised with Christ. And so he says, so then we're not strangers or aliens, but, but fellow citizens. And, and in the, these days of the Roman Empire, it's important to kind of see um, there, there were three classes of people. Everybody looked, at everyone they met, you're in one of three classes of people, and that's how you're divided up. And the first was, we will just call strangers. Um, they didn't, Nope. nobody knew them. Nobody knew who they were. They, they may be around, they may be traveling through town for business or something like that. They had no rights. They weren't appreciated necessarily. They, just not that important. They were just strangers. And, and then the second uh, class of people we would call a resident alien, or just aliens. And and those people are people who have stayed a while. Maybe they live there now, but they're from somewhere else. So as I said before, I, I'm an alien to Stillman Valley. I live here, I work here, I've made this home, but I wasn't born here, so I will always be a resident alien here. Th- these, this group of people had more rights and privileges than strangers did, um, but but they were still, we would call them a lesser class. And and so then we get to the third group of people that we would call full citizens, full citizens. A full citizen had, as you can imagine, especially in the Roman Empire, lots of rights and privileges. And, And this passage amazingly tells us that we have fellow citizenship. We have equal citizenship with the saints and the rest of the house of God. So, you know, think David and Moses and, and all the rest. We have the same status with God as they do. We are not servants in this, in this household. We're not the doorkeeper, right, as David talks about. If I, if I would go, I'd just be happy just to be a doorkeeper in this house. No, we're, we're more than that. We've made, we're made full members, full citizens. We have all the rights of being in the family. And so verse 20 takes kind of this change where he's, he, he's talking about citizenship, and, and he's going to start into a, a building metaphor. And, and we're told that, that Jesus is the cornerstone and or the capstone. Um, he's, he's the whole enchilada. He's the most important thing. He's what it's all about, okay? And, and so the big idea is that, that the focus, the most important part is Jesus? That's what this has all been about. It's about Jesus. Everything is built on him. Everything's built around him. Everything's built for him, for his glory. And then it tells us that the apostles and the prophets of the New Testament, uh, that they were, they were there to kind of help get that foundation set. But it's all been about Jesus. So, so Jesus is the, is is this cornerstone, and and then this new thing is taking place. And the apostles and the prophets of the New Testament are there to kind of get that foundation going. And the metaphor keeps keeps on as we get to verse twenty four. sorry, twenty one. It's going to take it to to a next level. We find out that this building is actually a temple. Uh, now remember when we started our, our, our talk about Ephesus and the Ephesians and all of this, that, that, that these readers would have lived in the shadow of one of the seven wonders of the world. And we saw pictures of it. It's this beautiful place called the Temple of Artemis. Um, <clears throat> and so probably what they thought when they thought of, uh, do you want it to be Diana? It, is Diana? it is, right. They called it Artemis. You know, the Romans messed that up with the whole Diana thing. But it's Artemis. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, but it's up on this hill. Everybody can see it. It's this stark, beautiful, white column thing, right? They kind of ha- are naturally going to have that in their mind. They're going to see that and and, and they're going to think of that's what they're being built into. Um, they, they didn't get to see probably the, the temple in Jerusalem, but they understood this concept of beauty, the beauty of a temple. Um, and so, um, and so that's where we see one of these kind of famous made-up words now. Being joined together with is what we, is the verb, uh, is how we translate it. Being uh, joined together with. And it's really a construction term. Uh, the idea is, is, is of like a mason who is, you know, specifically shaping and kind of hand-forming each stone and, and putting it into a perfect fit. That's, that's really the imagery that Paul is, is talking about here. So think beautiful temple, beautiful place, and, and they're being fitted and formed and joined together in Christ. And so Paul is intentionally referring back to the resurrection because he's using the same, it's the same start of a made-up verb, and it refers to the other ones that, that deal specifically with the resurrection. He's, he's putting these ideas together. And so, just think, kind of the imagery Paul's giving us is is how Jesus is actively bringing us into his temple as hand-picked, hand-formed stones in a perfect, exact design. Because we have been brought to life, raised and seated with him, and then we get brought into this incredible new creation, and, and finally we learn in verse 22, that this temple is going to be the dwelling place for God. And this, you know, great Trinitarian project, the Holy Spirit, it says, is, is actively building. And this is this made-up word here. He says, building up together with. He's making a, a living temple out of people. Handpicked, putting them in place as they're supposed to be, one by one. Built on the cornerstone of Jesus, because of Jesus, for Jesus. And so hopefully, as, as, as I'm saying all this, you, in your own thinking, you're thinking through, why why does this matter? And, and, and how this is such an incredible, beautiful piece of, of not only theology, but a, but a love letter about what Jesus did for us. But let me just... just kind of note a few things here that I think are so practical that are so important and beautiful. And so the first is this. Can we we just talk about belonging? I don't know if any of you have ever uh, been a member of a club, maybe a secret society. I don't know if there's any secret club members in here. Right? A fraternity or a sorority. You guys know handshakes that the rest of us don't know or, you know, all kinds of things in Latin maybe. Uh, the, rede- the redeemed family of God, this, this now living temple that, that, that is being made and formed actively, right? this is the ultimate club. This is the ultimate group that you would want to belong to. But it's not an exclusive club, right? Like we think of, of, of some of these fraternities and sororities of. It's not exclusive. Anybody that wants to join can. Anybody that wants in on this living, growing, beautiful temple of God can be a part. And the benefits are incomparable we've, we're just, we've just talked about a few of them Over the last five weeks They're incomparable what, Who would not want to be a part of this group Of this club I, I remember being in middle school And in high school And in college And, and, and honestly in every place And everything I've ever been in And thinking Boy that group over there is cool I wonder if they'll let me be a part of them I wonder if I could fit in, right? I wonder if I could be accepted. And, and, and you, doubtless had the same experiences in, in all of your different areas of life, trying to fit in to a group, trying to be good enough to be accepted. Can I be in the cool club? Can I be, you know, can I make it with those guys or not? And it's an ugly process, isn't it? It, If you've lived it, which I'm sure you have, it can be a painful, ugly experience to not be accepted, to in fact be rejected and say, we don't want you to be a part of us for whatever reason. right? And and experiencing those feelings of insecurity and rejection and and, and insignificance, right? But that's not how this house of God works. That's not how this living temple works. You belong you belong. You are loved. Somebody told me one time, and, I, and I, I like this imagery, but that God has a picture of you on his wall, right? God has a picture of you. You're, you're in his family. He sees you on his wall all the time, right? Sitting in his, in his chair, there's a picture of you right next to it. Your, your ugly artwork is on her, his refrigerator, right? You are not a stranger, and you are not an alien. You are not an outsider. You are fully known, fully loved, fully accepted, and He will never reject you. You belong into His family, and He has taken you and formed you and fit you in perfectly, by design. You belong. Now, as you can imagine, where we go to next, and that is... There's supposed to be unity in this building. There's supposed to be unity. The, the, the temple of God is a big deal, right? And, and so there's, there's supposed to be unity in, we'll call it the church universal, meaning Christians everywhere. So all over the, the world, whatever continent, there's supposed to be unity together. If you are a part of this family, the church universal those are our brothers and sisters. And so I would just encourage you, love people from other churches. Promote peace. Don't make fun or talk bad about the bride of Christ in other locations and other places. It's Christ's bride and he doesn't like it. But there's also supposed to be unity in what we call the particular church. And the particular church is this one. right? So we can talk about inside this place, with these people right here, this particular church. The will and desire of God the Father and Jesus the Son and God the Holy Spirit in this Trinitarian building project of God's temple is that we would love one another. Jesus talks about it all the time. This is how people will know you belong to me if you love one another. That's, That's the judging factor. Do you love one another? And and think of Jesus' prayers, that he prays that we would be one as he and the Father, as the Trinity is one. Are you actively working to show love to other members of this temple? Are you doing anything that might be leading to division? There shouldn't be cliques in this church. There shouldn't be the cool group and and the uncool group, the rejected and the accepted. those, Those descriptions should not exist here. That's not a thing. It shouldn't be a thing. So are you, are you doing anything to bring division? Are you doing things to actively bring people in and promote unity and love? Making sure people feel welcome and accepted and belong here. I, I, I can, you know, I always like when I can say, this is the will of God. This is the will of God. Don't do anything to mess up his building. Don't bring disunity to this living temple of people. Don't do it. His will is you would stop. And then third, let me just say this. It's something I don't, I don't, I hope I don't ruffle your feathers too much. And you can throw rocks at me later if I do, but that's, that's okay. And, and it's this. Church matters. Church matters. You belong here. God wants you here. And he wants you to be loving one another. So that means it matters. It means it matters. And I've I've had countless conversations with people over the years in all kinds of places, and and they'll say things like, yeah, the golf course is my sanctuary. The golf course is my sanctuary. I worship God on the lake. Or, or, you know, I, I read some really good books. Or I listen to worship music and Tim Keller sermons in my car. That's church for me. That's my church. Or maybe it's this one, right? We, we really wish we could be at church, but we are just too busy right now with you fill in the blank. Okay? And let me just say, I get it. I totally get it. I love golf, right? I, I do. I wish I could be on the lake a whole lot, but I don't get to be. But I get it, right? There's something in my soul that feels God's beauty on the mountain skiing, or, or you know, I experience God as sitting in a deer stand. I just do. I, so I get it. I'm with you. I'm with you. And, and Tim Keller's a great preacher, and there's some great musicians out there, and, and all the rest, right? And life is really busy. I really need to be mowing my yard right now, but I'm not. I'm here. And so I can just tell you, those things aren't bad things on their own. But they're not the church. They're not the church. There's there's a sign that that was obviously here when I got here, and I really like it, uh, right there back in the the foyer, and it says, the church is God's plan A for the world, and there is no plan B, right? Meaning there's not an alternative to the church. It's, It's what God designed, right? It is this holy temple that we can talk about of people being built. God's desire for you is to be connected to it, in, in, and that's in this church or some other church where worship happens, where scripture is taught, where scripture is preached, where there is love and fellowship and accountability, where we have conflict and we have to learn how to forgive and care for one another. These are the things that are part of this temple that, that is being molded and built and it's living and active and changing. The church, including this one and this place is imperfect. It's full of terrible people at times. This one has a prideful texan who talks too much. <laughs> it's imperfect, I promise. But this church like every other true one is is founded on Jesus, the cornerstone. And it's being held together by Jesus. And it's being equipped by the Holy Spirit for the glory of God. And you've got to be a part of that. You need to be a part of that. If if you have been this new thing that we've seen in, in, in Ephesians 2, this gone from dead to living, now raised with Christ, it means you're supposed to be a part of the church. It means you're a part of this living temple. You need to be a part of it. And so to be a part means giving your time and your talents and hard work, putting up with sinners and imperfect people. And and I'm not saying you could never go on vacation or play golf or go to the lake. That's not what I'm saying at all. But if you're not around so much that you're not connected with the life of this place, with the people of this place, then you're missing out on what it means to be a part of the family of God. You're supposed to be here, You're supposed to be a part of this. And, and church is hard, but I would say living life by yourself, disconnected from the body, from the family, is even harder. Now, I, I, I've, I don't know how many times I've heard it being in the hospital, visiting people at home on hospitals. I don't know how I could get through this without my church family. How do people do this that don't have a church home to belong to? And I and I think I answer the same thing. I don't know. I, I can't imagine trying to go through life without people that have got my back, that are walking through this thing with me, who know, who know my life. That's, that's what this is supposed to be and supposed to look like. So, so connect. If you're not, con- you should be connected. T- connected to a place where you belong. Let's pray. Hey, Father, I just marvel at your idea redeemed people, and then you made them a living building, a-, a-, a temple that is your dwelling place. It is where you dwell with us. Amazing. We don't deserve it. But all because of the resurrection of Christ, and we, because of our new identity as, as your people. We're not sub-citizens. We're not servants. We're not any other distinction. We're fully known and fully loved and fully accepted and full members of this family, of this house. Let us know what that looks like. Let us know how to live that out. And God, would you help us in the church? Because it's messy sometimes. We hurt each other's feelings and we do things that get on each other's nerves and and, and we don't make the right decisions all the time. But yet, this is what you've chosen for us. And you've told us to be connected to it. So help us know how to do that. God, we love you and we thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.